Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That was my shit together, that was my shit together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Lamas. We're on the board. SP Futures down 19. NASDAQ Futures 75. Just after a sizable up day yesterday. Pretty much crept up all day in, a, in anticipation of the, well, Chairman Powell's speech. But all the rest of the creatures were speaking all day yesterday. So it was kind of a, a rambling on of everybody from the Fed and trying to parse all the words as to what they're going to do. And uh, <coughs> I was not impressed. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. Hey, a couple of things. One is we got to come up with bumper music uh, t- for today. We got we got to use the uh, uh, we got to use Ramble On. Um, I let Zeppelin if, if we're going to you know in, in in honor of Powell's uh, comments. Yeah, so well. we can do that. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing is, I, I think we need a moment of silence for the White Sox. Uh boy, but hey, was the uh, the drummer that died yesterday? Eighty-seven years old, whoever the hell he was from. Uh, what band was he from? Um, didn't see it. Wow. Uh, had a specific drug drum solos <clears throat> and some song that was. Uh, I saw Jerry Allison, drummer for Buddy Holly, died. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Um, two days ago. Is that oh, what you're okay. talking about? Yeah, yeah, Buddy Holly. So he'd probably uh, he'd probably recognize his work as much for uh, not fade away as anything else. Uh, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, he played and co-wrote songs with childhood friend Buddy Holly, and and whose future wife inspired the classic Peggy Sue. Uh, has oh, died. Okay. Wow. What little town were those guys from? Oh, Hillsboro, Texas. Man, wow. It's a. Uh, Wasn't that like suburban Lubbock? Yeah, well, much, that's exactly. Much like I, I say, I live in suburban Granger. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're exactly right, Kevin. Suburban Lubbock. Can't imagine what Lubbock was like back in those days. Probably not much. Not much, definitely not. A little oil and not much else. Uh, but the drummer, this guy was uh, was key. He co-wrote with Buddy Holly. That'll be the day, um, and uh, and several others. And everyone knows, of course, that'll be a day. That'll oh, yeah. be a day. Uh, he yeah. was also, let's see here, uh, involved in Oh Boy and Maybe Baby. Really cool. Good. Uh, it's amazing. The, as the young, best that'll be the day cover out there in the world is Linda Ronstadt. Well, she's the best cover on anything, for God's sake. It's pretty much, yeah. She's a hell of a singer. <laughs> pretty yeah. much. Yeah, Betty's a hell of a singer. She did was good. My uh, uncle used to go to Vegas. Said, before we get away from the White Sox, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you may look and say, well, there's still only four games back with a month to go. But the, the Guardians are on a uh, pace to win 87 games. Not, you know, not great, but solid that in... in because they they play, you know, really good fundamental baseball, 
fundamentals are really solid, they'll probably get right about to there. To match that, the White Sox will have to play pretty much 650 ball. Um, and that's yeah, unlikely. They, they could do that for a sustained period of time. Considering through, you know, 125 games, they're playing, what, 550, uh, or no, 5... Uh, 504, five o- Yeah, 504 ball. I was going to say just above 500. Uh, 504 ball. I would say it's very unlikely. <laughs> Well, what? Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't think they could sustain, you know, a, a six fifty pace for a week. <laughs> no, they seem to be be somewhat of a combination of jinx and something, something. But how many games they got yeah. left with the Guardians? They got the one rainout left. The one from last week. Yeah, uh, you know, you know who they play a lot. They do have some games left with the Guardians. They have a lot of games left with the Twins, and that doesn't matter anymore. The Twins are, are right tied with the White Sox. They've faded. Yeah, they faded too. I have a. Uh, Interesting little story. Looks like they have four left with Cleveland. Um, There's the four. So one is the makeup game, yeah. like you said. Oh. Th- that's at Cleveland, and then three at home. So, so they could they could sweep those four, but more likely in uh, the White Sox fashion would be to go out and maybe win the first two and be feeling really good about things, only to lose the next two. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, there's something that kind of jinxes people in every spot in that in that. <laughs> There's always some error. They said they dropped two pop fouls last night. The first baseman dropped one, too. That didn't hurt him, though. Well, the the, uh, the ninth inning was the one. Yeah. Um, they, they had the third out. Angle, Angle didn't make the play. They had the third out, and then, uh, and then right away, uh, the same guy, uh, Hendricks, served up a home run ball to him. And then they went to extra innings. And in extra innings, they you know they had two shots. You know, with the with the man on second, they, the guy never left second for two innings. You know, it, in a row. So they, they couldn't they, bunt him. They, they couldn't hit a ball so to the right side. Get him over to third with even two outs. That's. Um, they're just a really, really bad baseball team. Uh, yeah, and I don't. Uh, you know, they have ninety-five win talent and five hundred performance. Well, they're, the bet they were what they were ninety-two was the over/under to start the season, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And the Cubs were and, and Cubs but, were seventy-two that was before they added Johnny Cueto, who's been a, a, a total revelation. Yeah. So, and if you go through their starting staff, that should be great. If you go through their uh, um, through their bullpen, that's pr- that's solid. You go through their lineup. Every time you look at a piece of that team, you can say, "Oh, that's really good. That's really." And and then uh, whatever it is, the sum of the parts sucks. Well, there's their station bad baseball. Their total station is station baseball, and they're not hitting home runs, and that that is. Uh, Kiss of death for your offense. I mean, the other night, yeah. I was watching Bill Murphy's a massive Sox fan. He's like, "How the hell do you get five hits in the first inning and only two runs?" Uh, you know that, you, that that's all hard. singles. They, they don't, don't hit home runs, and they don't. We, you know, they don't we, move. They don't we, take we, the Matt extra and, base. Matt mentioned it yesterday. They, you know, fourteen is the, at least the team. The uh, you want to hear my my buddy Holly conspiracy st- story? I'll keep it brief if I can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always up for a good conspiracy. Well, evidently, <clears throat> when the plane crashed, and I mean, you know, people, I guess, know this. When the plane crashed, you know, in the farmer's field, it took like forever to clean the whole mess up. Well, they finally do, and the, f- and the farmer goes back <clears throat> to plowing that spot, and uh, evidently, the big bopper's body was tossed out of the plane somehow, and and they find out that the farmer's cleaning the field up, and he finds a gun with one bullet missing, like shot. And uh, so there's always been this, you know, 
backseat conspiracy thing. Did somebody shoot the pilot? Did somebody shoot somebody? And because uh, it was evidently Buddy Holly's gun, I think, and that you know whatever. So they decide they're going to do they're going to exhume the big bopper and do an autopsy on him, right, and find out if he was shot. And uh, so the, his son has to okay this, so he does. So they finally they find a that. Uh, not, not Ducky on NCIS, or who's the guy that was uh, a TV had a TV show about being the autopsy guy? What the hell was it? Quincy? So they get some guy, he doesn't want to like tear the body apart in front of the sun, so they have some way of doing ex- an x-ray autopsy, which is pretty neat. So the guy ends up taking, I don't know how many hundred x-rays of like every single part of the body, looking for any place a bullet could have entered. And, and they find no bullet. You know, there's no but the guys, the guys no, says no entry wound. No entry, no entry wound. No, you know, there's no bullet, no, no, nothing, nothing that would would show that a, uh, you know, a, a bone had gotten shattered by a bullet. Anyway, they don't, they don't find anything, except the guy said he had like 220 bone fractures from the from the crash. Can you imagine that? Like every single bone's body was broken in the crash. Wow. Yeah. I guess that was sudden, eh? So somehow he must have get, so. somehow he got tossed out of the plane when it hit or something. Everybody thought that like he was running away and somebody shot him or he wasn't dead and he was dead. Just saying. So uh, Kevin, why didn't we run out, go out to Jackson Hall, and just stay downtown and hang out at the Cowboy Bar or the Silver Dollar Saloon and just have Matty Weber like interview us every day like we were at the big conference? We could do that, or we could just fake it all together and just say calling in live from Jackson Hall. So what, are we going to have somebody with a picture of the mountains behind us or something, like a soundstage, like in the movies? Oh, we could do that, yeah. You know, the, the, uh, um, one of the uh, movie, you know, the old movie stations was doing a, um, a Sharknado uh, uh, marathon last night for all the Sharknado movies, and, and there was one where Gilbert Gottfried was reporting from some band. You know, we could do, we could pretend, you know, like that. Oh, God. You know, is a... Is <laughs> you know it, the the best part about it is the the movie isn't the uh, the movies aren't the slightest bit self conscious. It's stupid. It's stupid on purpose. Everybody knows it, and that's that's what makes them fun. At least in small doses. I don't think I could sit and watch a whole thing. But uh, UK energy bills to rise by eighty percent in October. Um, most people in the world are hurt over there. I, uh, are we are we learning anything over here about this? Like maybe don't not tearing down your old power plants before you have stuff to replace them. Well, and and uh, and are we learning that um, you know what's the uh, the number? Twenty million Americans are behind on their electric bills right now. Yeah. Well, you know the the funny and, part, and, and if we if we continue down the path we are for energy costs. It's only going to get more expensive for those 20 million Americans. Well, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you take this, as you know, uh, Kevin, as we go further and further with the stuff and listen to people on the show, we have more economic professors on here that are influencing me, even though they don't know that they are. Uh, I'm getting more and more afraid of where we're heading. I honestly am. I don't. You look, even the, every little thing you look at has sort of a, a plan to it of some of somebody's. And I, I've lived in my place now for like 20 years. It's just an apartment, right? But uh, I have all the electric bills. I have all the stuff. I mean, not that I go back and research them all day long. Uh, I don't have the electric bills, but I have the check records. And I'm going to say, 
what, what, what people don't, people have this, these assumptions. You make assumptions. And one of the greatest lines ever is when, when you assume you make an ass out of you and out of me, right? I mean, everybody, everybody thinks that if they go out and spend all this money on solar and all this stuff, it's somehow your bill's going to go down. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm going to bet, Kevin, that uh, if I'm still here 20 years from now in my apartment and somehow I found a way to put a windmill on the roof, which you couldn't do in a four-story walk-up, but I put a windmill on the roof and I used no electricity, my bill will still be higher than it is now just to connect in in case I might or something. The last month I used, I used zero gas and the bill was 52 bucks. And there's... there's one, it's just awesome. There's one pipe coming into our building, which actually branches off into the house next door, which used to be Jack McDowell's old house. So the, <laughs> the, so the thing feeds, this 100-year-old pipe feeds five units, one house and four units. So it's 250 bucks just for the 100-year-old pipe. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> Before you even turn the stove on. And, you know, I, the, the, the encroachment that these utilities have made on people... Plus, I don't, I don't get the part that why does the state have to give money to Camelot Edison to keep their nukes going when the nukes are the cheapest power they have? I mean, wh- where, where is the logic in that? I, I, I just look at this and I go, this, this, this must be a nightmare or something. Can I, can I wake up? But it's not. It's, it's real, I think. I, you know. What do I keep telling you? What's the best argument for smaller government? You know, constitutional, that's a fine argument. But, uh, but when it gets right down to it, it's it's incompetence and corruption. Well, it's in a, in a, but the the people, the people that are crying for that, I'm sure somewhere or someplace, there's an employee of Commonwealth Edison with his pinky up having a glass of wine, uh, saying there should be less government. Well, Commonwealth Edison wouldn't be Commonwealth Edison without the government. I mean, we're getting to the point now where yeah, just I fully understand that. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's all over uh, the place. But, but that's but now you're talking about people who either totally lack self-awareness um, and, and don't make that connection or uh, who are just, you know, lying to your face. Well, I mean, it's one of the guys at the University of Chicago said he was a, you know, competition kind of guy. He goes, just remember that uh, every competition is terrific for every industry except yours. Because in your industry, it's some guy with cutthroat competition and he's, he's charging too little and you got to get him out of the business. Yeah, but understand, I didn't say anything about uh, competition. That might be your your constitutional argument is that free markets are uh, are, are important um, as philosophy. And I'm just talking about incompetence and corruption. Um, I, you know, you can you can figure out you know how how you want to structure markets and all that kind of stuff. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about government gets involved and it gets bleeped up. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lob one at you. If I mean, I, I wish you. Were, you had been with me at the time because I really enjoyed some of the stuff at the University of Chicago in my two favorite classes, except for maybe a couple at Notre Dame, that Australian uh, guy, the guest lecturer that talked about econ- uh, international economics. He was spectacular. But I'm going to say uh, George Stigler was my favorite guy. And he's, uh, I took two classes from him, and he ended up being a Nobel Prize winner. He wasn't at the time. Um, as a matter of fact, Kevin, he's the – this is a little piece of trivia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet – although I might lose, but I'm going to bet he was the Charles R. Walgreen. I don't know if that's the guy who started Walgreens or not. I'll, I'll say it might be, but I'm not sure. Cause Probably from the family anyway. Because it was, it was, it was, there was an H in it. There was, it didn't seem like it was spelled as... Anyway, there was a, a Charles Walgreen endowed professorship 
at the University of Chicago. There still is. There's been four Nobel Prize winners in that, I think it's four, four Nobel Prize winners, one, one after another, that have, that have been the endowed professor from that foundation. Stigler and like three guys after him. That's, I don't know if it gets much <coughs> more special than that, does it? Um, I, I think that's, um, you know, uh, USC, uh, at the time they were, um, should be, you know, puffing out its chest pretty good there. Yeah. Anyway, but he, he was a, <clears throat> a political economist and a behavioral economist. And, a, and he, he would constantly say, don't think these people are, in, in, they may be d- detached, they may not be anywhere close to where you think they ought to be, but don't ever think that it's not run like a business or that they're incompetent. They're not. They're very good at what they do, and they're very good at running their business. The business of politics is just different than the business of a hot dog stand. It's just different. Well, I, I understand that to a point, but I, I can't. There's, there's too, much, too much observable evidence that there's a lot of incompetence as well. I, I don't, but and there also is the connection, the same connection that I'm I'm trying to make now with this economy. When you look at these numbers that are all over the place, saying so you can't look at the numbers, you got to look at the people. What percentage of the people are doing okay? Are they're better this year than last year? If you start looking that direction, you get a whole different view than if you look at these inflated numbers you're seeing coming across the TV. And it comes back to your your buddy, our, our original mayor, dumb mayor. When he said, he basically said, good politics is good government, and good government is good politics. At the end of the day, you have to be somewhat competent, in his mind, and that's why he was, you know, he was a mayor for how long? Oh, and that's and that's why uh, he, he got elected repeatedly. Yeah, um, because the, you know everybody knew that even if it didn't touch the mayor, him, uh, dumb mayor, I got to say that right, the mayor himself. Yeah, um, that that it, but that there was uh, corruption in. Uh, Chicago government, but they also knew that the city was well run. You know, I mean, all the basics. You know, the, the trash was picked up uh, regularly without fail, and uh, you know, the potholes got fixed. And you know, you could go on and on about it. Um, so it was it was competently run, and that's what people wanted, and that's why he was able to, um, you know, continue to get reelected time after time after time. Well, as my uncle used to say, the guys from the day, I mean, you remember your your ancestors, for lack of a better term, my uncle would say, I'm not naive enough to think that there's no, that there's no corruption in politics. He goes, but it's at a manageable level. It's okay. You know, because it's, it's not like it's zero, because <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, I, that, that's, I'm going to say, Kevin, in World War II, if you and I are making the PT boats and bu- engines in Buffalo, which I think were they were made, actually, uh, probably we were able to weasel 5% more than if it was perfectly bid out or something. Maybe 10%. But it wasn't 50%. In the 5 or 10%, we, we sprinkled in the neighborhood and the bars and restaurants and everything there and, and paid our people a little more. So, it, it, yeah, was there a little bit of... But there, there's a level of, that you almost have to stop chasing. I mean, you, you know, as a parent, you, you want your kids to be perfect, but they're not. So the question is, y- you just hope that there's a level of misbehavior there you can deal with and not have to lower the boom, right? Yeah. I used to look at it like this, that there was a hierarchy. And the hierarchy sort of went like, uh, you know, right at the top of the list is, I want them alive. Yeah, yeah. And then 
I want them healthy and I don't want them injured and all that kind of stuff. And I, and then I, uh, uh, and then and then I don't want them in jail and I don't want them to injure others and I don't want them to, uh, uh, you know, kill anybody else like in a car accident. By the time you get down the list to, he, he had some beer on Friday night in high school. It's so hot. Yeah, it's like, like just make sure there's not more that, next week and nobody drives. Now, if if I think that there is like a real bad drinking problem, then we're back up to the I want them healthy, which is a, up near the top of the list. Why? Because remember I, that one, Matt. You know, yeah. remember that one. That's that'll help you out. It'll help you keep perspective. Yeah, you got his daughter drinking already. She's only like yeah. a year old, not even. Anyway, so I, I that but so what. What I, what's, what I start to see, Kevin, in, in every one of these people that are talking at, at Jackson Hall, and there was a steady stream yesterday, I don't know that it's incompetence, it's the detachment. I think detachment is worse than incompetence. Almost. Maybe I'll throw that to my list. You know, in, in, incompetence, corruption, and detachment. I, I don't think they have You might be right. It might be worse because the, the total inability to relate. You know, it's, it's like every, every time Pete Buttigieg goes out and talks about you know how, what a what a great deal electric cars are. Hey, I still have to fork over sixty grand to get one. And want to subsidize it? Well, I still got to fork over fifty grand to get one. How many people can do that? Well, plus, he's he's smart enough. He should know that if okay. the car is sixty grand, and they and they and you get a ten thousand dollar boost in the back pocket, that the car is now sixty five. He has to know that. Or sixty six yeah, or sixty four or something. No, you, you think he would, but um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not conceding that. Well, you can't. I mean, we talked a little bit, and maybe we should talk a little bit after the break, because you know what? I, I would really like, uh, you know, here's here's, where, here's an assignment for Kevin. Who do you know that is an ex, absolute expert on these student loans? I know a little bit about it. I can and I can talk policy a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the decision this week. But after the break, but I, I, uh, I really don't know the the ins and outs of the combinations of uh, let's say the interplay between a Pell Grant, a U.S. loan, and the private loan. That because I think everybody has somewhat of a combo, don't they? Not everybody, but most. Well, yeah, and I, I can give you a little bit about it, but um, I can I can talk to our financial aid uh, person. Uh, at our campus and see if she wants to talk. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think she'd want to, uh, you know, get into uh, a lot of criticisms of, of the system or anything like that because that tends to be a political argument, and I don't think she wants to represent um, Ivy Tech in a political sense. I certainly, you know, um, I, I'm cautious to make sure that, uh, um, that it, it, all opinions <laughs> that you get on this show are my own and have nothing to do with official school policy. Um, but Wendy's really good at what she does. Well, but I will tell you this: the Pell Grant is just that; it's a grant. And if your in if your family income is below a certain level, I mean, basically, it's a poverty level. One of the measures of you know the makeup of your student body is what percentage of your students are Pell eligible. Okay, but I, I, one question I would ask right off the top of my head is: if you have a combination of a government loan and a private loan. I don't think they can cancel the pri- the disband the private loan, can they? They can just do the government. There aren't any private loans anymore. But a lot of people that the the government took over the whole system during the Obama administration. Okay, there was but legislation th- behind that. I don't, but, but there's people that have them from thirty years ago. Well, they get a check. 
I, I, and I, but I think I, think no, I, I, I haven't. I, let me before I say anything about it. I have not looked at detail in by at Biden's plan, so I don't know if it reaches back thirty years. I don't know if it, you know. I, I I know it doesn't because the uh, education secretary said so. It doesn't cover anybody who's paid off the loans. All right, man. I think uh, just SOL on those. Our, our buddy, our buddy Thomas. I think when he went to art school, he had somewhat of a combo. Where, and, I, and I think at the time, this is right before Obama came in, I, right, right at the time, I'm going to say that uh, the, the normal ratio was you got like 40% from the government and another 60 from private, and, and it was engineered by the school, and you had somewhat of a blended rate. So if the government had, say, a 3.5-4% rate and the private was 6.5%, most people were in the 5.5.5 combo rate area. Before the before what you're talking about happened, I think. Yeah, well, and and let's go to where a lot of this came from. And I, I know we're going to go to break in a minute, but um, but philosophically, and this makes sense, is you want to make sure that um, that everybody has access to college, you know, one way or another. Now that doesn't mean everybody should go to college. I think you know you and Lou got into that a little bit yesterday. Um, and I, I fully agree. You know, the, the, any idea that everyone should go to college, some people should be going to trade school, some people should be. Go, I mean, you can go to you go to trade school out of high school. Um, you may be making you know eighty, ninety, even a hundred thousand dollars by the time uh, all of your uh, friends graduate from college. You know that or more in debt. Um, so uh, you know there, there's there there are options to college, and so I am not a person even though I teach at a college. I'm not a person who believes everybody should go to college, and not everybody should go to college for a traditional college program. However, I, we, I, we have to make sure that people have access because, you know, for, for those where it's, it's appropriate, for those where it's the right place to be, uh, to, to not be able to get, go to college because you can't afford it is perpetuating a cycle of poverty. And that's the part that... The, all, all these various loan and grant programs is supposed to address, and that's the part that doesn't get addressed, and we can talk about why after the break. SP Futures down 17, NASDAQ Futures down 67. I'm going to disagree with the, the Kevin and Lou combo severely after the break. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, 
Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 14. SA Futures down 58. We probably should just ask Matt Weber all about his student loan experience. He knows more about it than Kevin or me. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, Dow Futures down 89. Again, we were up a bunch yesterday just as a, a review of that. Yesterday, the Dow was up 322, S&P up 58, NASDAQ up 207, just crept up all day long. Uh, so we've made back a lot of what we were down on Monday, if not most of it. Uh, over in Asia, we've got Nikkei up 162.6%, Shanghai down 10.3%. Hang Seng finally back over 20,000 with another run to the upside, down two. It's up 800 points in two days, just barely to get back over 20,000. It's unbelievable how that thing has been beaten up. Uh, over in Europe, the DAX down 42.3%, FTSE up 5, call that flat, kick around down 21.3%. Uh, bonds, we've got a, up 5 basis points, 3.07, so we're back, you know, pretty far over 3 after being down in the mid twos for quite a while. Uh, Bund up again to one, well, 2 basis points, 1.34, they had dipped down below 0.9. Uh, Japan still unchanged at 20.2, those guys are the most boring bond market, I don't know how you even trade that. Uh, oil up a dollar 37, 93.89. Still a long way from the 100, but bouncing back pretty good from the 87 or so the last week. Brent, dollar 71, 101.05. Natural gas up nine cents, 9.46. So that's staying over nine bucks this time, seemingly for a while. Arbob up three cents, 2.84. At gold down 12. It was up yesterday. Now it's down today, 17.58. Gold cannot be up two days in a row. Pretty pretty unbelievable. Silver down two cents, 19.09. Copper up six cents, 3.76. We've got Bitcoin down 438 at 21,164. 
Again, twenty below twenty thousand is kind of the number people are all nervous about because it might cause a margin loan in some places. You know, we'll, we'll see about that. We also have the U.S. dollar is exactly even one dollar with the euro dollar, exactly even. It's, I don't think I've ever seen that. Maddie, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, we're off to a pretty good start on the area expressways. There is one issue to report. It looks like uh, there was an earlier three-vehicle accident on the Bishop Ford. This is on the westbound side just before I-57, so that's the inbound side. And uh, there's gapers to that crash in the accident investigation site. Uh, so even though the accident has apparently been cleared to the investigation uh, sort of side or whatever, uh, it's causing all kinds of delays uh, with gapers on the Bishop Ford. So that's our one trouble spot right now. But if you're coming in on the Ryan or I-57, no delays to report. No accidents on the Stevenson or Eisenhower. And same for the Edens and Kennedy. So we're off to a decent start here on a Friday morning. Weather today, it's going to be a very cool day in the city for this time of year. Partly cloudy skies with a high of just 72, which is right around where we are right now, where it's clear and 71 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 102 today. Right now it's clear and 87. In sports, as we touched on at the top of the show, the White Sox lose again, this time in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, they blow a 3-2 lead in the ninth, including dropping a game-ending fly ball before giving up a tying solo home run and then eventually losing in the 11th inning to the Baltimore Orioles. 4-3 was the final in 11 didn't, last didn't night. Didn't somebody reach out from the stands and like pester the guy with the ball or anything like the Cubs? I don't know what you're talking about. The, what's his name? The guy who messed up the... Uh the uh, thing in left field when the guy tried to catch the ball and then uh, oh Bartman yeah and then the <laughs> ne- and then the guy hit one the next the next one was out of the place or something uh, you have that partly right partly right uh, yeah uh, White Sox are four games back of Cleveland tied for the second place in the AL Central with the Twins Cubs lost to the Cardinals snapping their series winning streak uh, they end up losing uh, three out of five to St Louis as they were blown out yesterday afternoon eight to three Diamondbacks were off they're out, they'll actually be in Chicago tonight. On the south side, uh, it's Diamondbacks uh, at the White Sox uh, beginning tonight uh, at 7.05. Chief. Maybe the Snacks can beat them. Well, you would like to think so. Diamondbacks are not very good. Maybe when you had your loan. You yeah, had, you just, had, just like they uh, maybe the Sox can beat the Royals. <laughs> yeah, well, Royals, right. Royals, Royals are pretty up and coming. They're though, scrappy they? right now. They're yeah. actually kind of like the Cubs in, in the American League where they got some good young players and they're, they're playing pretty loose right now, and, and I don't think anyone wants to play them. Who's that one guy they got, Maddie? That's supposedly like the fastest guy in baseball. Uh, is it Bobby Witt Jr.? He's uh, a white guy, of all yeah. Things. I think it's. I think you're talking about Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. He, not only is he one of the fastest guys in baseball, but he's one of the best young players in baseball. He's very. He, he was fun to watch. Very fun to watch. Very versatile. Lots of power. Uh, good speed. Good defensive player. Um, yeah, they think he, he's he's he can play shortstop, but they think he's going to be a a, a power hitting third baseman. I can't. I can't get over to the Cubs. Have two young players with two of the best arms I've seen in ages. That Morel, who's the other guy, Viscano or whatever his name is, Velasquez. Velasquez. Yeah, those guys. Uh, you know, they're kind of mid-level prospects. We'll see how they turn out. I think Morel's been spectacular for the most part. Uh, you know, considering uh, he's you know not a super highly touted guy, but he's still only 23. But yeah, they both uh, have very good arms and, and tools defensively. Well, yeah, they're, they're definitely a two-tool player. They can run and they can throw, right? That's right. I mean, they only got three more to catch that won't, up. That right? won't get you in the big leagues, though. So, man, didn't didn't you have you a combo? Hit. Didn't you have a combo uh, private and, and public loan? 
Um, I think, yeah, I think they all are, aren't they? No, Kevin's saying no. They're all they're all just government. Private people are out as of a few years ago. Okay, yeah. So you know, for me, that's going back twenty years. Uh, it so I don't even remember that that well, to be honest with you. But uh, but yeah, I I do remember that it was a combo. Yeah, I thought everybody's kind of was. I know Thomas's was because I. Yeah, the way it used to work is um, it was a guaranteed load program. So there was a uh, a federal guarantee or or a state guarantee, but you'd uh, um, you'd get it through a private lender. Right. That's that the way sounds it was when I was in college. That sounds that sounds right. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it was, Kevin. But I think didn't didn't you, didn't there were two loans with two di- two in different interest rates though, or was it a combo? I, I remem- remember. I remember. I ended up having that because uh, they they kept getting acquired, so like people, uh, co- uh, companies would buy up the debt, and all of a sudden you'd have to you <laughs> you'd have to pay to a different person and it would be like a different rate and you're like what the hell I didn't sign off on this and they're like yeah well someone bought up your <laughs> someone bought up your loan and that happened like three times really yeah well my, my mortgage but when I you know, when I got the house in 1986 within the first two years the mortgage changed I had to change people but the, the number never changed I mean the, pla- the right. place the place contract the, is the yeah. same so it, uh, I would imagine um, you know you'd have to look at the contract terms as to whether uh uh, whether the buyer had the right to change your rate, and if, if, uh, and, and I'm not saying this is the case in Matt's case, but if somebody bought it up um, out of default, then they probably had the right to change. Um, they, they probably had the right to change the the, the terms as well. Um, that's interesting. Uh, so, Kevin, regarding the tuition in college, um, with Lou yesterday, I was uh, digging up. Always arguing with Lou is always fun, as it is arguing with you. I, I'm, I'm surprised, really, that, that people have now, because of the, the goat bleep that has give, of, of loans and everything else that have given this, this, ex, this amazing explosion in college tuition, all of a sudden people are, are starting to compartmentalize, compartmentalize people into those that should go and those that shouldn't. And I, I, I really push back on that. I mean, I, you know, I'll tell you what, I blame this all on my mother. She was such a champion of education. And she died when she was 83. I think she was taking a course the semester before at St. Xavier. She never stopped going to college. I mean, uh, I mean I'm one of these people that I don't, I don't care if, you're gonna, if, you're, if you have a fence company like our friend from Notre Dame. You should be able to go to school. and You shouldn't be some, you know, I won't say if you don't go to college, you're a dumb-dumb. I'm not going to say, I'll never say that. But if you want to go learn government or, or economics or accounting until you can run your place better or not, you still hire another account. I don't see why that should be prohibitively expensive. You know, listen to my math here, just for a second. And I'm gonna. And the weird part is, it's going to come out at a number. For those that might have remembered yesterday's show, I put my Notre Dame tuition in 1974 with the current, which was about 3,200 bucks, with the current, the CPI up until today, and the number should be like 19.9, not like 70. Okay, if you look at the CPI. So, Kevin, I'm just going to go through the math. I'm going to look at a semester, and I'm going to say, we're going to get a, a dude or a dudette to be the professor. We'll grab Eric, we'll grab Hal, we'll grab somebody. They're going to be our professor, say, in economics. They're going to teach three classes, uh, so they're going to have a, we'll make this really simple, stupid. We're going to pay the person 125 grand for a semester, which is a lot. I don't think, I don't think most of these people are making 250 grand a year. But say we make 125 for a semester, and we we double that for the overhead rate. It shouldn't should be no more than that, but I'm sure it is. So now we're talking two fifty. 
So if there's 125 people in the class, they're going to be paying two grand for that class. Okay, so they take five. We used to take five, right, in the semester. You take five then. You take five in the second semester. You're right where you're. You're right at 20 grand, which is where the CPI says you should be today. And I don't think people are making 250 a year. So where the hell is it all going? And and why can't people go to college just to friggin' learn? I mean, the idea that if, if your if your dad owns a big business and you go for government or for sociology, somehow you're wasting your time. I don't buy that, Kevin. Take take a couple of accounting courses while you're there, which should be easy enough to do. Learn a little something over in a business school or the economic school, but you know whatever your major is, it is. I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I just think the the price is so prohibitively expensive. Now we're making these kinds of choices. You shouldn't be there. You should. I think I think if the price was okay, anybody could go if they wanted to. Well, I think anybody can go, and 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 I don't just I would never discourage anybody who wants to go from going, whether it's as a lifelong learner or whether it's to to you know prepare for a career. Um, and and that's not my point at all. My point is simply that there are other you know there are other places besides college where you may choose to prepare for a career based on your interest and your aptitude, and uh, and that should be. Just as encouraged as going to college, I would agree. For, uh, 100%. Uh, for those where it applies. Now, I, I talk to uh, um, students all the time about the idea of you know off ramp and on ramp, um, because you know it may be that you you come for a certain level of uh, credential, and you get it, and you say, okay, this is going to help me. It's going to get me promoted at work, or it's going to get me a new job, and you go do it. Now, you may you may get you know, do that for a while and come back and say, you know what, um, I, with with a little more education, um, you know, I could be the plant manager instead of uh, instead of a supervisor manager level job. And so now you come back and you know that's you on ramp back and we'll get you your uh, your associate's degree. You don't have that much more you have to do to uh, to get that. And then maybe uh, on top of that, then uh, we'll get you connected with uh, IU South Bend or. Goshen College or Bethel or something like that, and you can wrap it up, um, and uh, you'll you know one day you're going to be VP of operations at some place. And this 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 is my curriculum, not this, you know we have obviously other other fields of study and in, in healthcare and so on. So uh, you know everybody's going to have a different uh, a, a different career track. So I'm just using this as an example, but you know I, I think that's that's ultimately the point. But it this the idea that everybody should you know, should just, you know, be thinking of college and nothing else is really the, um, a, a thought process that you get from people who went to college themselves. Well, I, 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 for us, I mean, I look at college in a whole different ways. I mean, we went a whole different world when we went, but it was, I showed up there when I was 17. You're not, you're not, you're not ready to work. The society's not ready for you until you're 21 anyway, really. So you've got basically four years after high school to do something with. Well, you might as well <laughs> use it learning. You know, unless you're putting yourself in debt for the rest of your life, which we weren't. What 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 better stuff could we have done, Kevin? I mean, than going to not just Notre Dame, going to a decent college, anywhere, learn how to, you know, behave with other people, uh, learn to be on your own, and oh, by the way, learn some stuff. And then when you're out of there, you're 21, and society's ready for you. I mean. It, to me, it was it was pretty natural on a lot of fronts. Well, it, yeah, but uh, let me let me put it this way: I, there, uh, a lot of high school kids 
the, the plan is not college. I'm going to get a job right um, after after high school, and I'm and and I'm you know I'm going to stash away enough money, and maybe I want to move out and be on my own as soon as possible. Okay, um, you know what? It, I, I'm I'm I have something on the table that we quite haven't quite made happen yet, where. You know the the high school students um, in in Elkhart County can uh, take my supply chain cert- uh, certificate program. Along the way, they can get industry certifications in logistics, in purchasing, in uh, quality management. Uh, we get a yellow belt in quality management, and um, uh, what am I missing? Oh, a transportation certification. So they, you know, they have industry stamped as well as uh, Ivy Tech credentials in those disciplines. Now, you get that by the time you graduate from high school because uh, we are able to uh, have them in a dual enrollment situation where they're taking, they're getting both college credit and high school credit at the same time. So, now you come out of, out of high school. Are you ready to be a supervisor at 18? No, because you're right. Society's not ready for you to say, okay, high school kid, you're in charge of this team but you're on a fast track to it. So now you come out and you say, I want to go to work. Um, and, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I, you get yourself by the time you're 20 or 21, and you are ready because you not only have the educational background for it, but you have the, uh, the experience to be able to pull it off. So you just have, at that point, you put your head down, you earn respect of your peers, you, you, know, you do all that kind of stuff, and, uh, um, and, and you're on track. And then, you know, again, if you're, if as a young adult, then if you change your mind and say, now I want to on-ramp, cool, you know, come on back to us. But I, I, this is why I tell guidance counselors all the time that, you know, I, I love getting your A students. They're easy to teach. But, you know what, send me your C students. Hook me up with your C students. I don't disagree. I can, you know, I can help them, too. I don't disagree with anything, anything you say, Kevin. I, as you know, I'm much more of a, if even if, now, you and I had the nice family structure that we were able to go away to school for four years without having to support our parents and so forth. So not everybody has that. Not, not, not a lot of people even have parents, for God's sake. So, so yeah, not everybody's in the same boat. And I'm, and I'm trying not to be like one of the the uh, you know goofballs at the Fed that don't understand how the other people live. Because, yeah, a lot of people right out of high school, maybe even before, are forced to work just so people eat in the house. I mean, I, I get that. I'm saying so well, and, and they aren't even necessarily forced to work. They're just glad to be done with school. They don't, right. you know, it, not everybody likes it. And not everybody is ready for it. Uh, you know, when, when I was undergraduate, um, you know, as, as I look back now, I missed out on a lot of really great learning opportunities. But I had a really, really good time. Oh, yes, you did. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at the expense of some learning opportunities. Well, I went back to grad school and was totally dedicated to it. You know, my mindset towards towards college and graduate and and, and education by then were totally bit uh, different, and I got so much more out of it. Well, there's a, there's a, a uh, million different roads to the same goal, which is I think what we're talking about. And I, yeah. and, I, and I think that, but, so but I, you know, every you know, I, I, some of the students come out of high school and they are totally diligent and ready, and they're you know they're going to go on and do some great things. And I I've had plenty of those students come through. But I, when um, I'm, but I'm, at the same time, some of them, you know, they just they, they show up on our doorstep because somebody, you know, the parents or somebody said, "Well, you're supposed to go," and, right. and they're just not inclined to it. Maybe later. Well, I, what I'm saying is the opportunity should be there for everybody, and the and the price, hey, prices have gone up. They're, nothing's going to be cheap, cheap. 
but it should be it should be real. Okay, I mean if 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 somebody one of your guys, okay, now he's he's moving up the chain, and he's you know he's now at a, a level where he's in like meetings or something all the time with with other people, other other disciplines, and he says, you know what, God damn it, I I am so tired of not knowing what the finance and accounting guys are talking about. Where can I go get a a basic accounting class or a basic finance class so I don't feel like I'm a boob in this room. And and you guys provide that, or a lot of junior colleges do, some regular colleges do. I'm saying somewhere along the line, you, you, you've you got to get there from here because if you're going to be the, the plant manager someday, you got to be able to read the books, right? I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. So, I mean... Oh, yeah, you can't... You can't take a class from me without getting an accounting hit. Well, but what I'm saying I, is... You know, I'm, I, I teach IT classes. You guys got to know this. You guys got to be able to speak the language. You want the good toys to play with in, in IT? Yeah, better understand a little bit of accounting and be able to put your, you know, put your requests into the language they understand. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's totally important. And, um, you know, this, this is... Um, but it doesn't need it, to be... But, and, and I'm agreeing with you, Tom. I don't want anybody to not have access to it. And that's where the, the conundrum is in, in funding education. Uh, aside from the fact that you, you may say that all of the money available just drives up the price, just like we said that with electric cars. But by the same token, you know, how, how do you have someone who in no way could afford college but would, would be really, really well served by being there? How do you get that person through college? Well, I'm saying, and, uh, you know, I think that's the conversation that we need well, to be having. But, but, but before but you we have, don't have it that way. But t- to me, it's the exact same conversation we have about Obamacare. It did nothing about the cost. I just the numbers I just went through off the top of my head exactly equals what the CPI says that uh, uh, our tuition should be today, and yet it's three times that. That's a problem. University of Chicago right now is one class is more than my entire two years. That's a problem, Kevin. I mean, it does. It, where, where, where I guess what I'm saying, I think you should be able to provide this education for twenty grand a year, and it's sixty. Where the hell is the other forty going? Is the first question. It's like I don't care what you do with your with your insurance and your hospitalization, but if you sleep a night in a hospital and the bill's eleven grand, they didn't even do anything to you. I don't know where you can where you can move the teacups around on the ground to, to look for the little marble underneath, but you you can't get there from here. The number's just too high. I don't care who's paying for it. Same thing with this education. The number's just too high. Now I I don't know how you. I think schools like you and some of the good junior colleges are working on that to to you know to push it down. And I and I think uh, in some places, I mean, I know with the College of DuPage, Shani's talking about they match up their engineering program with the first two years of Illinois sort of exactly so that when people drop out of the Illinois program which is really hard to get into these people can apply and come in as a junior and kind of not miss a beat and only have to pay Illinois tuition twice instead of four times oh we we have um, you know we have curriculum uh, that is uh, you know basically it's guaranteed transfer um, into uh, a state school there in, in Indiana well, I mean, we so, can't. You know, you, you complete you complete the associates in uh, in uh, what what's called the TSAP program. If you, you complete you complete that, um, you will you will be able to transfer. And we have others where we have uh, for our programs very specific articulation agreements, so that if you just complete this sequence of courses in the major, that you're guaranteed. 
Um, you know, I, I have a student right now who is deciding <coughs> who, who's, uh, whose scholarship money she wants to uh, um, accept, Ball State's or uh, Valparaiso's. Well, good for her. Hey, uh, so speaking of politics and how everybody in the city, I mean, in government, all of a sudden there must be some lobotomy they give you when you get elected to all of a sudden everybody else's money is yours. Like, like Lori Lightfoot can't stop the, the little speed cameras that are, she's giving out how many thousand tickets a month because she needs the money, even though there's no <laughs> there's no justification to that, whatever. But the, are these universities, they get the same way? As soon as the, the administrators, yeah, I deserve 400 grand a year or 300 grand a year. I mean, what, what, is, the, what is the administrative staff at like Ohio State or Illinois or someplace... What do these people make, Kevin? How many people could we throw out of there and not even know the difference? Yeah, and, and I can't speak to that. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I know what I make, <laughs> and, and and what I make says I do this for the love of it, not for the money. Well, I mean, the, the, but any anybody who's ever had any sort of a, I'm going to say any kind of common sense. I mean, you might not be able to dig through it. I probably can't do it anymore either because I've been so long away. Anybody who's ever trained as a cost accounting, like I did uh, to a certain extent. Um, Somewhere along the line, you have to sit there and go, "Okay, we we went from three grand to seventy grand. Does that mean that the teachers are being paid twenty times more?" And if the answer is well, no, they're being paid four times more. There there needs to be a question right on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> okay, where the hell's the dough going? Right? I mean, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it does seem like a relevant uh, a relevant thought. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I know and, that and and. You know, there's things like the uh, you know the ones that have lavish facilities because they think this is how they're going to recruit the best students. You know, very famously, this this giant um, uh, athletic facility with a, a, a beautiful one of the state of the art climbing wall at the University of Missouri, and they you know so they make sure you come to visit the the university on a uh, uh, you know on on any kind of trip that's uh, um, you know where you're evaluating the college. They take you right in there. Here, look at this. You'll get to use this. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, you know, it's it's all that kind of. So there's there's a lot of that kind of fluff. Plus, yeah, it's got to be going into administration. Um, and 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 I would bet that if you go look at the amount of people who are in administrative jobs not teaching, um, that I'll, I I would be willing to get uh, bet that that has grown proportionally to tuition. Well, at my grammar school now again, this is Catholic schools. They never need dough. Uh, despite what people think about, you know, the church has money. These schools didn't have any money. At grammar school, we had four classes in each grade. Irish people were, were good at something. Uh, and we had two kindergartens. So what are you up to? That's 34, right, teachers? They had a principal, an assistant, a music teacher, two janitors, five people was the overhead. And if somebody, somebody was sick, the principal talked. So that was not exactly a day off. Uh, Marist... I'm going to say, what do you figure they had? 35 teachers, 32. They probably had three people in the office, a guidance counselor, an assistant. They were probably 10 indirect for 35. So a little bit more. So one one out of four was indirect. What do you suppose it is at a Chicago high school? Or, or, or any kind of a Chicago yeah, I, grammar I, school? I, I can't imagine, but I'll bet you it's not good. No, no, it's in. And, uh, you know, I mean, the idea of, of sub-teachers and people taking days off. I, if, if a teacher took a day off, you wonder if the guy was dead, for God's sake, and then the principal came and taught. There was no, there was no sub-teacher. 
I mean, what, well, it, it, one thought before we go. The state of Indiana's funding model is built around a couple of things. Enrollment, persistence, completion. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not just the number of heads that you have, but it is uh, do they continue to come back so that they are keep making progress towards a usable degree uh, or, uh, or, or uh, certification, and then finally, uh, do they actually finish them? And, you know, you get more funding, the better you do with those things. Well, we got a dash here, Kevin, but the, the worst thing in the world is not the $200,000 debt for a four-year degree. It's a $150,000 debt you didn't finish. That's, uh, that's exactly it, and that's not, that's not doing the students any good. No. And, uh, and there's a real acknowledgement in that in the uh, state of Indiana's funding model, and I think that's a good thing. All right, bud, take care of yourself. SB Feeders down 12, NASA Feeders down 51. Make sure you, you buy those Clemson tickets so you get the Marshall tickets with you. Just saying. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
something happening. Hello and welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tim O. It's Brett Weber on the board. SP Futures not only down 10, as if he's down 44. We were down quite a bit more than that when we started. Uh, we have the Wharton's Jeremy Siegel. Is Wharton even want to put their name on this guy anymore? Says the Fed needs to hike rates only by another 100 basis points, and he knows that. How exactly? We're not exactly sure. Carl, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm not doing too badly. It's, uh, you know, coffee time, so that's the good part. Well, we have not been able to share that with you since the COVID caused the Dunkin' Donuts to not open until 6 instead of 5.30. So our stop in the morning has not been able to make that stop for quite a while. Imagine that downtown Chicago, right by the exchanges, where there used to be exchanges. I guess there's still a few people over there. You can't even get a, a cup of coffee before 6 o'clock. When, when everybody used to yeah. start down here at like 4.30 or 5. You want to know what's even more stupid? Where where I used to live, down in the the Florida Panhandle, uh, there is exactly one decent coffee place. That's place you know with actually roast beans and you know, do it the right way. They're not open until eight thirty. Really? <laughs> what what possible good does that do? I mean, you know. I still go down there once in a while because I have friends down there, and you know, so I go I go down to screw around and uh, you know sit in a bar and get to do whatever. Well, invariably the last you know the the morning I'm leaving because I I always drive down. Um, you know, I, I like a nice hot espresso, you know, three or four shots before I get on the road, and every single time I, I check out of the hotel, I go over there, they're not open yet. I'm like. <laughs> you got to be kidding me! I, you know, I, I have no idea how they came to the conclusion that not being open at six or seven was a good idea. <laughs> well, coffee's a morning beverage. Last time I checked, but you know, I'm just saying. I, I just, I, you know, I truthfully don't get it. I mean, I, my espresso machine upstairs is uh, is is on an automation system, and it turns itself on at four thirty in the morning. Because it's you know it, it draws a fair amount of power to stay hot, right? Um, but it doesn't shut off until four in the afternoon, and so it's that's you know there's that twelve hour window that it's it's operable just by walking up to it and pulling the handle up, um, and then the rest of the time it's the, the odds of me wanting one are so low that it's not worth paying to have it on idle. <laughs> yeah, it's a. All right, I was a. I was going through a lot of a lot of crazy numbers um, here, Carl, in the last few years because I know. Well, first of all, with you and Hal and, and Russell, I got to I got to keep up with you dudes, or at least try to. And I, I'm I'm finding some very strange differences. I mean, you know, like I say, history repeats, but it's never exactly the same way, right? I'm really finding some very strange differences in the inflation this time and the inflation in the '70s. Um, oh yeah, and uh, I think one of them is. Um, I mean, I'll just run this by you. I'm, it's almost like we're, we're in the, to me, it's almost like there's five variables this time, where before there were like maybe three. And I think the, what the variables are, it's, it's, it's the accelerator to the inflation, which is the money supply growth, which nobody will admit, but you and I know that. Uh, and I right. think so so there's, there's, there's that accelerator to it. There's the lag time, which is somewhere between, depending on the times, you know, four months to probably nine months, and it always kind of varies depending on how... How, who you jam it to and how quickly you jam it in there, right? Uh, so that, that's like variable number two. There's your your counting of it, you know, during which I think even the, in the best of times where people are trying to be honest, 
has a, has a lag to it, even a more addition to the, than the inflation itself has another lag to it. Because there was a lag in the 70s, and I don't think people were cheating on purpose like they are now. So there, there's that lag to it. Then there's, the, there's like the actual inflation, which is happening today, which is a function of not only the push, but the lag time. But then there's, and this I don't, re, I don't remember from the 70s, because a lot of people were able, had at some point, I mean, when, I, when I came into the picture, a lot of people had COLA, a lot of people had some raises, and people kind of knew there was inflation. So if you had a contract, you had a, you had a cost of living up in the contract. There was an infrastructure that sort of dealt with inflation. Which we don't have now, at all. Right. And maybe maybe a public union does, but like nobody else does. I bet there oh, isn't a basically con- yeah, that's basically gone. I mean, I'll bet if if you and I signed a contract to 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 do two bridges for the next four years, I'm gonna guess if we said we want an escalation clause, they'd look at us like we had three heads. Nobody's seen what um, we want. Yeah, we probably they probably would. But you know, the interesting the interesting thing about that is that if if it's not there. The odds are fairly high that if you or I, you know, we had our company, we were going to do this. Uh, if the inflation happens, it bankrupts us in the middle of the project. Right. I'm not saying we couldn't renegotiate. I'm just saying it's not standard no, but I, part I'm just, of it. I'm just saying, you know, the danger of not having it in there is that you don't get the bridge at all. Well, we also the danger is you you foolishly put it into the CPI and they're going to tell you there's no inflation and there is. But but here, here's the variable right. that here's the variable that I'm coming with this time and I. I'm just, I mean, obviously I think we both kind of see it, but I don't think the Fed does. And, it, and here's the variable. I, I've got these guys jumping 40% in money supply in roughly 30 months. So there's somewhere between a 35 and 40% increase in prices, like right now, that, that's there to just bulge. And you can just see it in houses. I'm talking over the last two and a half years. You can see it in automobiles. It's everywhere. Right, and I'm, some stuff isn't up, I know, and, and it's not all just gasoline. But there's this bulge. There's this now. There's there's a price level variable that even if you turn off the accelerator today, the inflation accelerator, and go back to say zero money supply growth or whatever, there's this two and a half year bulge that's not going away. That that, that people have not come close to having uh, salary increases to identify it, and I don't. I, I don't think you had to deal with that in the 70s. Now you do, or, or you don't. I mean, if you don't, you got to recognize what you just did. You just took 85% of your population and, and de-nutted them to the extent of 35%. I, I don't ever recall a problem quite like this in anything I've read or, or seen. Now, now the, the, pr- the current price level is the problem. Even, even if the Fed decides today, and maybe Siegel's right, all they need is another 100 basis points to stop the, the accelerator, but but the bulge is so big. How do you deal with that? Well, that's I mean, <laughs> this is this is the thing that that uh, uh, you know that I've been talking about for quite a long time because it was the same thing that happened in the oh six oh seven time frame. People said, well, you know, uh, you know the, the crazy ramp in house prices, which is you know, where it was in oh six and oh seven. Um, the, the ramp may stop, but the prices will not go down because they can't and and then there's all sorts of explanations as to why they can't and my observation at the time was you do not understand the basics of economics if you make this sort of an argument the the median house that is in a given area has to be able to be afforded 
by a person earning the median income and and whatever family organization they have okay i mean you know so i mean we got rid of the mommy stays home for the most part and raises the kids and and there's one income we got rid of that and with the 1970s inflation that buffer was destroyed we basically forced women into the workforce as a way to maintain a reasonable standard of living that was the that was the consequence of the 1970s and early 80s inflation and and that but that that mitigation, if you will, has been spent. You can't spend the mitigation twice. And so now the question, because, you know, in, in 0607, the question is, well, you know, what's, what's the mitigation, right? And if there isn't one. Okay, well, now here we are with the same thing going on, and I still see it here in this area, although it's starting to crack. And, and <laughs> it's, it's rather interesting because D.R. Horton is building a very large... Um, I guess I guess it's not really all that large, but it's it, it's very high density for this area in terms of single family homes. Okay, so an awful lot of houses in what I would consider to be a very small space. And when they first started clearing it, I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be twenty, you know, twenty twenty five houses. No, no, it's more like hundred, and they're they're about as close. I mean, it looks an awful lot like a lot of Chicago neighborhoods. So not quite zero lot line, but very close to zero lot line. Um, and they're now on the market. So they are now selling them, even though they're not all finished yet by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, a lot of them don't even have roofs on them at this point. Uh, but the, the thing that's, that's funny about that is, all of a sudden, if if you're sitting on a house here that you thought you were going to get five fifty for, and DR is selling one that's the same square footage, even though the lots are small, and they're asking three fifty, you're not getting five fifty. No, no. <laughs> It's not going to happen, okay? Because there's a brand new one right down the street, at three and a half, and, and, and that's uh, you know, and there's a premium for brand new always, right? Well, well when uh, there's, if you if you listen to Nancy and in uh, Audrey too on Monday, what what they claim is everybody that gets the mortgage, not everybody, but a lot of people when they get the mortgage now, especially first time buyers, are so far at the edge of what they can afford. That they don't have five hundred dollars less to hire a painter. They they need it painted before they get there, right? And that's well, and that's true, and and that's one of the problems that you have when you start stretching this sort of rubber band, is that you know the the days when when you went to buy a house, <laughs> when I bought my townhouse in uh, you know in Chicago as a working schlub, I was working for myself at that point, but it was still a working schlub. I got a you know I got a paycheck, I had a W two, and. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know, they, they, I, I had the 20% down to put on the table. It was still, I mean, that, that, that note was a big deal in terms of the check that had to be written every month. Oh, God, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, and, and it pushed a lot of other things, all right? I mean, you know, you take that, then you take, a, you know, a couple of cars, and, uh, oh, gee, uh, gee, I don't have uh, much left at the end of the month, do I? And, and... Uh, you know, and this is this was running a company, but it was you know it was by by far not the salad days. I was, I was never the the guy who could say you know hey fire the lira up let's go to you know let's go to Cancun this weekend. Um, and and uh, you know maybe if I'd taken the company public or something like that that would have happened, but it, it didn't. Um, if if I just rode out the crash and survived it, I probably would have been there because you know everybody else got destroyed. But the the thing that's, that I think is so interesting is that when these sorts of patterns get set up in the economy, everybody comes up with an excuse for why 
why it's never going to end. It's never going to go back to what it was. It's never. There's going to be no reversion to the mean. And all those people who who get the late stage of it, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. It'll be okay. No, it won't be okay. No. <laughs> Especially not when it gets into everything like it has this last couple of times. And, you know, the more it goes on, Chief, the more lawless it becomes. Yes. You look at what just, this, this announcement was just happened with this, you know, with the, with the student death stuff. That is, I, I'm not sure that I've, that I've seen something quite that crazy in my years of paying attention to politics, which of course, you know, you don't when you're 15, um, at least most people don't. When you're 30, you start to. By the time you get to be a little bit older, you better be because you know everything political goes on. But the truth is, it impacts everybody. All the political stuff always impacts everyone. That the what Biden did was took a law that was passed after 9/11 that was designed to protect people who went into who, who abandoned their uh, their collegiate careers to go into military service. That's why the law was passed. Because after that, we, you know, all of a sudden we're on a war footing, right? Because we, you know, hey, these these clowns, you know, blew up a bunch of our buildings, and we need to go get them. Whether whether that was a legitimate exercise or not, this is a different discussion. But that was the purpose of that law, and all of a sudden he said, "Oh well, there was there was a virus, and therefore all these people should be able to just walk away from their student debt." But you, but there's but there's never an appropriation from Congress to do this. Okay, you're talking about by some estimates as much as five hundred billion dollars. Yeah, I don't see how you do that without the Congress stuff. It, let me ask you somewhat of a of a more esoteric question. I mean, because this you and I have bandied about this for a while, and never really addressed it dramatically. But what, yeah, as as you just by the way very eloquently said, everything in politics affects somebody. The idea is it affects people, a small percent of the people really well and the rest of the people sort of crummy <laughs> right yeah, and, and usually the majority of the people get screwed to yeah. some degree but it's not some... enough that they pick up pitchfork a torch or a gun right you got to keep it be, you know you got to keep it at a level where it's not worth you know ruining your life by running down the block and blowing something up you know type right. of thing and, and and i don't know if they're doing that or not but i'm not sure not going to advocate anything but I, what i'm saying is i've looked at this i, I was fortunate enough to not have one of these student loans but as as this fiasco with the Fed has been happening with this money, the zero interest for some people for a long period of time, at at say since two thousand and seven, two thousand eight, I'll just blob it out there. Well, I, I mean, Maddie knows. I've been we've been doing the show for twelve years. Ten years ago, I said, wait a minute, what, what are we doing? Why why are we charging our students this much money in interest? We're, we're essentially scalping our our. our our future. These kids are paying seven percent for God's sake, and and, and and uh these these big companies are paying two. I mean, I mean, what are we doing? And uh, you know, so I, I don't know. What, I mean, if I was going to do something like this, recognizing that we've basically screwed these people, you know, interest rate wise, and I'm going to say also, the last time I did this, I did this in 2020. I went through and as best I could on the Google, you know, on the internet, you could do a better job, Carl, I know. I basically decided that, that credit card interest rates were higher after ten years of, of zero zero money zero interest rates than before. Right. Now, now clearly that's a problem. 
Now, whether it's something you can try and fix. So I would have, I would have really no problem, and I don't know who has to pay it or whatever, but it's always something, of going back and saying, hey, for the last 10 years, we're going to get all these people with these student loans, paying or not paying, and we're going we're gonna to cut this rate by 1.5% in arrears and apply it, if you still have it, to your outstanding loan. And, oh, by the way, if you paid yours off last year, you're going to get a check. If, if you're going to do it, make it fair, for God's sake. Right? And, and have a reason for it. Say, we've screwed these people. They deserve some of their money back. Now, of course, the people who got the money aren't going to be the people who are paying it back. I mean, that's way too above our, our pay grade, right? But wh- why should somebody be paying 30% under or 24% for missing one payment on their credit card when the, when the Fed is handing out money to other people for nothing? I mean, wh- what are we doing? Well, no, that's the, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just look at stuff like this and, and, one of the problems with what Biden did this time with this particular thing is that even though I don't think it's legal by any, I, I don't think there's there's an argument to be made that, that this is actually a lawful thing for him to have done. I, I don't. I'm not sure it is either. But I don't know. What, I, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. In any in any fair courtroom, I don't care where the suit comes from. If there's if if you actually read the statutes in question, this is blatantly unlawful, and it and uh, you know and it gets struck. But the problem is this: to get into court, you must have standing, and there is a long-standing precedent within within all the way to the United States Supreme Court that a taxpayer does not have standing because the injury done to said taxpayer by something like this is diffuse, it is not particularized, and it is not able to be denominated to a dollar amount of harm. And therefore, you don't have standing, so you can't sue. So the only people who could bring the suit would be Congress, because it would be Congress that had their authority, their power of the purse usurped here, and that gives them standing. You and I do not have standing. And this is, what this allows, and this, this is a horrible thing, if, if we let this, if, if we as a population allow this to sit, the, end, literal, the literal end of our check and balance system within the government has just occurred. And that is this. Any executive from this point forward can do anything simply because they will find a way to avoid you being able to go into court and sue to stop it because you don't have standing to bring the suit. So anything monetary, doesn't matter what it is, they can now do within the executive, and there is no check and balance within our Constitution. I, I don't disagree, but how, but how exactly? Now we're, we're simply back to the ethics of the person who sits in the left seat, who happens to be President of the United States. That is a horrible horrible situation. I don't, I don't disagree. I I, had, I wish I could find it, uh, Carl. I, I was mentioning to Maddie yesterday. We had, and I must, I, you know, I, I know I sent it out, if you want to dig through my crap from five years ago. I, there was a, there was a uh, young lady, because she had her picture in the thing. I think she was writing for CNBC. She wrote a, a many-page article regarding student loans and went through Every decade of people, you know, people in their 40s, what they owe, people in their 50s, people in their 60s. Right. And uh, it was pretty well done. I, I, I guess, uh, how many of the, 
I'm gonna as much as I'm, I'm with you on this. I don't like the president doing this kind of crap. Somehow Congress should be involved. I I'm just wondering though, how many of these things were quote writing off the books are three and four and five thousand dollar loans that we're never going to get anyway. I and mean, why 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 are we pestering these people? I mean, I, well, you know, you know that's so so. There's there's an argument there, okay, um, that essentially a a loan that is in deep default with essentially a zero recovery um, it's it's an accounting entry okay it, do, it doesn't have it it doesn't have a direct economic impact um, other than other than the fact that taking it off the books means that the person who they, uh, is also going to lose the bang on their credit their credit history and their credit score that otherwise would raise their cost of everything else you know basically forever the thing with with student loans though is what happened after so obama obama essentially federalized all of them and i and i wrote a bunch of stuff about it at the time it happened because it totally screwed some of my quarterly tracking that i used to do i actually abandoned my analysis of the fed z1 after he did this and the reason i abandoned it is that the the federal reserve uh, you know they publish a z1 every quarter which is a flow of funds report basically where all the money comes from where all the money goes and it is extremely comprehensive and over long periods of time it is it is an amazingly useful resource but as soon as obama made that change the federal reserve took all of the student loans and moved their category created a a new subcategory for them took them all out of the other buckets and as a result and and then they went back and they did it historically and as a result they destroyed the data integrity of this data set that i used to use for this purpose and there and there's no i mean i might have been able to untangle that gordian knot that they created by doing that but it would have taken me oh probably weeks of, of just sitting there, you know, trying to cross-reference across the old stuff. Because I have my own local copies, and just like I do with the employment report. I don't trust the BLS not to tamper with historical data, so I have oh, yeah, my own I, local I copies of the data in, in my tables here. Uh, and and I would have had to do the same thing with a Z1, except the Z1 is so much more voluminous. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it, the, the amount of work involved in doing it, I, I just said, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm done with this series as far as you know issuing a report, and it wasn't one that was very well received. There weren't a, it was it was that along with my employment report numbers are two two of the historically worst read, worst circulated uh, articles that I post. Well, Carl, what is, what is the history? I mean, I you know I don't know when these things even started. I mean, I'm sure there were loans when I went to school, but I uh, I think they might have been from the university themselves. I don't know, but I mean, I really don't know the history of it. But whose whose idea was it to not to be declared in bankruptcy, you can't get rid of them. I mean, every other loan you can, you can not that you should, but uh, in this lady's article, she said there were there were people in their sixties that were like on Social Security. Some of people were on disability, and the person who the loan was issued to is dead, and these people co-signed, and they're still dunning them for like five grand. I mean, what what are we doing? I mean, I mean, I mean there are well, amazing is, stories so, in so this. So this started. Um, because there was a small group of people uh, that back in the 1980s, this was during the, during the time of Reagan and such, um, and there was a small group of people that went to med school, and then they intentionally strategically defaulted on their private loans, went through bankruptcy, had them discharged. All right, so they basically and graduated med school, became a doctor. Before they made any money, they declared bankruptcy and then started fresh. 
Right. And so essentially they, and, but it was a strategic default. It was intentional. It was the same sort of thing that is that businesses do all the time. Okay. Yeah, but people should be able and to do it, just guys, businesses. Well, these guys got smart and they, they said, you know what, we can do this. And, and yeah, okay, it's going to screw our credit for the next seven years. But, um, gee, that doesn't look like such a bad bargain. And oh, by the way, we're not making, you know, we're not making a hundred thousand dollars a year at this point. Why not? Let's, let's do it. So there was a small group of people that did this. The, the outrage that occurred within Congress and in a bunch of other places started the path. And so what they, what they did was they, that was where the you can't discharge it in bankruptcy thing started from. And then it moved onward from there and got worse. So as it, when you got to the point that we are at today, um, Obama saw the collapse of this entire industry occurring on his watch. People had gotten to the point that the cost of college was just ridiculous, and the, and the debt collectors were getting insanely aggressive because they could. Yeah. You, you, couldn't go to, you couldn't go to court and file a bankruptcy and get rid of it. Um, so he federalized the entire thing. But the, the, the problem with this is just like every other thing that gets financed, when, when, when you financialize something, you end up building in the the reason for people to start jacking the price, and and then if you protect the people who made the loans from having the consequence of making a poor loan come back at them because you make it impossible to discharge that debt in bankruptcy, um, now you've taken the last check and balance out of the system because yep. the you know the check and balance of making a bad car loan to you. You know, oh, that suburban is you know eighty thousand dollars. They don't actually figure out whether or not you can afford to pay the eighty thousand dollar note before they sell you the car. Well, guess what? The 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 cost of that is that uh, you lose the car and the lender loses the eighty grand. <laughs> well, yeah, or, or they go re, re re you know re re grab it or whatever they do to it. And, uh, well, they repo it and sell yeah. it, but but there's a loss there, okay? And so that ratchet mechanism has a check and balance on it, and that if you do stupid things as a lender or whatever have you, you're going to get it in the courts, and that is a good thing because it prevents people from doing stupid stuff, and that is destroyed when you do things like what's happened now. At, at this point, they'll literally sit on these loans, these student loans, and then garnish your Social Security check yeah, that's what I'm saying. later when you that's get That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there had to have been a way to do this better there has to be some other under five thousand where they've not gotten a check in twenty years. I think we should get rid of them and stop bothering people. There, there had to be a better way to do this. SP futures down five, Nasdaq futures down eighteen. We're also we're doing crazy stuff here. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Loading up back stocks and jacks. After Mount Mr. Weber on the board, SP futures down seven now. Nasdaq futures down twenty-seven. Maddie, we got numbers out the butt here for God's sake. PCE core year over year four point six. I got a bridge for you. Uh, personal income is 02 percent on the month versus 0.5 it was supposed to be, so lower. This is a big one. Spending, consumer spending up 0.1 percent versus a positive or a expected 0.6. So that of course means that. The economy's worse than people thought. People are doing worse than people thought. And oh, by the way, some more money the Fed doesn't have to raise rates as much. So it's caused the market here to rally a little bit, at least for the moment, uh, which is always interesting. Dow futures down 31 over in Asia. Nikkei, like I said before, up 162.6%. Shanghai down 10. 23 Hang Seng up 201. Scratched back over 20,000. 20,170. It was down to like 19.5, maybe 19.4 the other day. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX uh, down 4 cents. Let's call that one flat. Uh, we've got FTSE up 11.1%. Kakaran down 6.1%. So very, very slow over there ahead of the Powell's speech. Yesterday, big rally, as we talked about earlier. Dow Jones up 322. S&P up 58. NASDAQ up 207. Uh, bonds up 3 basis points, 3.05 in the 10-year. Uh, that's the highest it's been in a few months. Uh, Bund up 2 basis points, 1.34. Japan unchanged at uh, 0.22. 
Bet oil, 69 cents, 93.21. It was up almost a buck earlier. Uh, Brent up 92 cents, a dollar, 100 hours and 26 cents. Natural gas up 9 cents, 9.47, high there. Our Bob up a penny to 2.82. We've got gold down 12 bucks, 17.58. Silver up 4 cents, 19.14. Copper up 6 cents, 3.76. Crypto uh, down 55 bucks now only. It was down more than that earlier. 21,547. When I say crypto, I mean Bitcoin. And we have the U.S. dollar, which was exactly uh, $1 to Europe. Now the euro dollar has rallied a little more. One, $1.01. So a little bit more of a rally there in the euro dollar. Eddie, what do you got for us? Traffic of other sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. That earlier crash at the Bishop Ford is all clear. So that's uh, good news. That was causing some delays right at I-57 there. Uh, but now we have no accidents to report on any of the area expressways. The traffic volumes are picking up as is normal for this hour on a Friday morning. But looking good out there from the expressways. Uh, off the expressways, we do have one crash in the northwestern suburbs. Lake Street, which is US 20 and Medina Road, there is an accident, but everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, a very mild late August day today. Uh, partly cloudy skies, a high of just 72 here in the city, a little bit warmer than that inland. Right now it is mostly cloudy and 71 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 102. Right now it's clear and 87. In sports, White Sox lost to the Orioles last night, 4-3 in 11 innings. Sox uh, remain four games back of first place Cleveland, tied with the Twins there for second place in the AL Central. Running out of time. Cubs lost to the Cardinals, 8-3 at Wrigley. Diamondbacks were off. They're in Chicago tonight uh, to take on the White Sox on the south side. That's a 7.05 Chicago time first pitch. Chief. The, uh, the other day, one of, my, one of my buddies went to the doubleheader, went to the first game. Um, be brief with this, Carl, because we got a lot of these numbers we got to talk about. When is Major League Baseball going to come clean with how many people are actually at these games? I mean, he, he says the, f- the first game at a doubleheader was there was like nobody there. He, he went home with the every intention of going back, and then he goes, <laughs> "I sat in the sun all after. I'm not going back." So the, their their four seats, he used one of them in game one, and they didn't use any of them in game two. And this is for the Cardinals. You know, this is getting pretty. There's nobody in these. I mean, you watch these these science games on Baltimore. Is still in allegedly the the, the uh, somewhat still in the wild card spot. Was, was there five thousand people there last night? Chief, they'll start caring about that about the time that we care about the fact that the FBI has now been admitted by Zuckerberg in an interview on Rogan's show. Uh, he, he he told the world that the FBI, prior to the 2020 election, essentially conspired with Facebook to prevent any mention of the Hunter Biden laptop material from being disseminated, and and then also went so far as to say that not only did Facebook comply with this request, but that Twitter was banhammering people for bringing it up. They, they weren't just removing the material, they were actually banning accounts. Facebook was just removing the material. There is supposed to, you know, people say, well, it's a private company, you do what they want. Um, That part's true. The government, however, is constrained by the First Amendment. Um, That... And and anybody, and, and by the way, 
that Hunter laptop stuff was not a Russian disinformation story. It was true. Um, I think we need to... Uh, I don't know who else we, we can have on at the same time because I want, I want to tear that one up for like a, a whole hour some Friday because this whole concept that we've seen through the COVID and every time these guys, when I say these guys... They used to say that in the CBOE, when the you know the camel gets his nose under the tent, the rest of them so, will soon follow. Uh, right. This whole idea that the government can't can't do something to you if you walk down the street with a cow for president uh, sandwich sign. They, they even have sandwich signs anymore. Um, sandwich sign, but the government can can force PTI to fire you because it's okay for me to have a problem with you, but it's not okay for them. This is getting really fascist or it's getting something it's getting out of control Carl. it's getting out of control it, it, yeah and you know what and, and the thing is would it would it have changed the outcome of the election nobody knows okay there's no way to prove that ex post facto right whether it would have or wouldn't have um, but that same coercion has also been proved to have taken place all the way through the last two years during the COVID stuff if you well, made what, a you statement start? about uh, you know, anything having to do with the jabs or whatever, bang, your account got destroyed. And this was done directly at the at the so-called urging of the CDC for a private company to make a decision on its own that certain kinds of speech are not acceptable. Is that, I mean, it's a private company, all right? But we're not talking about a private company anymore. We're now talking about the public square because it is the government who came in, a government agency, government actors who came in and in an active, and I hate the word conspiracy because people immediately think you got your tinfoil hat on and it's wrapped up too tight. But in an active conspiracy with these, with these very large corporations turned around and said, this is what you cannot speak about. That is, that is Soviet Union level stuff. Well, I happen to know a, a doctor, and probably if I were to ask other doctors that I know, there was either an email, or a letter, or some form of communication that went out to all the doctors in Illinois, basically telling them that if they went against the grain on these COVID vaccines and everything, that they would lose their license. Oh, I, I, it's you know what? That's absolutely true. I have, I know someone who is a very well-respected cardiologist. Um, in fact, if my heart was screwed up, he'd be the guy I'd go see. And um, he is currently under attack. They're attempting to revoke his license to practice as a result of the fact that he went off script with some of this stuff over the last two years. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't get into this, but, but let's let's tee that one up as a long one. Who knows? We might we might have to have another couple of people opine in on that because it's it's not just a you and me story. It's maybe John or somebody. Uh, anyway, but let's these numbers today. What? I, now, Carl, you and I have been, I'll say, wrong and early, wrong or early for a while about the market. Although I'll tell you what, I, I now I'm starting to understand why the market is where it is to the point where I've been kind of long for a while now for my people. Uh, instead of, yeah, I was always a little long, but even longer, uh, in some cases because I, I, the, we we have somehow made the decision on some governmental level. We're, the market and the and the and the, and the, stock, and the the market and the economy 
I someday I'm still convinced they're going to come back together. I mean, it, it did in 1929 in a very, in a very yeah. unhealthy rather manner. Rather dramatically, didn't yeah, it? rather dramatically. And, I, and I'm often I'm wondering if we're going to, we don't have to have that happen again. But these guys are never going to let it. They, they're they're convinced that if 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 90 percent of the population is a depression, we're still going to have. You know the market's going to be making new highs because the people with money are going to have. I mean, and I and you know nobody loves the market more than me. I loved it when I was in high school, for God's sake. And my whole life has been managing money for p- myself and people in the market. So it's not like I, I. It's the only to me when I was on the trading floor. It was the last bastion of real competition I've ever seen. I loved it. Okay, I, right. I, 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 what I wouldn't give for another day in the OEX pit. You know, I, I, see, I, you imagine how slow I would be compared to those days, but. Still, I would do it tomorrow. There's, there was nothing more, more gratifying than having than trading a really good day, especially if you got hit with some bad trades early and you you worked your way out of it. It was it was you know it was, you know, it it was it was like you know forty eight vials of Viagra all at the same time or something to be able to be blown about it. I mean, it it was terrific to be in a competitive area and prove your metal. I loved it, you know. But but what I'm seeing here today, where you know no news is. Bad news is good news. Good news is bad news, and it's the Fed propping things up. It was I was talking about earlier. This forty percent bulge, which is just, by the way, just about how much the market's up, right? This forty percent bulge caused by the money, unless the Fed, which I don't see this guy having the stones at all, unless the Fed says one day we're going to draw forty that forty percent money bulge report, we're taking twenty percent out. First of all, I don't think they'll do it. Secondly, I'm not so sure I'd even recommend it, Carl. But but I mean, we have a problem with this bulge. I mean, people actually think the market belongs at, at record highs. I mean, uh, and, and because most of the companies, it gets narrower and narrower. Yes, Home Depot deserves to be up here because they were able to raise prices 11.5% when they only lost sales of 8.5%, so they're ahead of the game. So to the extent that the big companies are ahead of the game, I get it. But I also know what happened in 29. You, you can't keep... You can't keep getting blood out of a turnip, as the Irish used to say. I mean, I'll stop talking. Right. I mean, when, when when do we start to match up here? Ever? Well, I you know the the problem with these kinds of distortions historically is that the longer they go on, and the more they get built into people's expectation, the worse the reversion of the mean is because the reversion to the mean goes back to wherever the correct level is, and so the further you pump it up, the bigger the damage. Right? I mean, it's it's very basic. If the, if the S&P right now, on an honest basis, ought to be trading at 1576, well, if you drive it to 5,000 before it goes to 1576, it's worse than if it's at 3,000, right? Right. I well, mean, that's just, you know, it's just mathematics. It's not, it's not well, no, it's, it's actually, actually, you know what, the, oh, I mean, wait one second. It's, it's, actually, it's, it's not mathematics in, in, in the sense that it, it shouldn't be mathematics. But the mathematics are, that if you if you sold it at five thousand, you got to pay taxes on all of it. If you bought it at right. five thousand and sold it at fifteen hundred, you only get to take three thousand off a year. Plus, oh well, yeah, and, and and that's that's a government distortion that gives them an incentive to drive valuation. Yes. Okay, because of course you know everybody loves to you know loves to do something to you that would cause you to have to pay taxes, right? Well, and everybody in government loves that. Well, plus you normally when you get a market top. Not every single time, you usually have a, a, a record margin loan, right, or right. close to it. Right, and so when it when it blows up, oh boy, do people get hammered, right? Yeah. You you lose, and, and, and that's yeah, because the margin clerk gets very busy. Uh, it's 
it's one of these things. You know, it's like I, I you know, I just quickly read through this, this, uh, you know, this uh, personal income release. Anybody that believes that the PCE was was neg point one last month, and, and only point one excluding food and energy, you got rocks in your head. Right. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm a, you know, I, and, and anyone that thinks that this is not a, a profound impact on all sectors of the economy, all you got to do is is pull up Choice Hotels webpage and take a look at what it costs to get a hotel room in the middle of the week in summer uh, down in Gatlinburg here. It's $52. Okay, I mean, it, that's that's February prices when there's nobody here and half the stores are closed because there's no one here. Um, gee, uh, can you actually pay the cleaning lady at 52 bucks? I don't, uh, I, I, just by my observations of, of looking around, which of course makes things very narrow, and I haven't left Chicago in a while, uh, except to go to the suburbs and maybe Indiana or someplace, but I, I, I see a slowdown like I've never seen. I mean, is the, the lady at the Home Depot is closed her hot dog stand on Sunday and Saturday and Sunday. She says there's nobody here. Try to get a hotel here. It's about seven hundred a night on, yeah, on yeah. weekends, though. I mean, why? Why is well, that, yeah, man? But see, the thing is, is the distortions. The, the, the funny thing is, people are like, "Oh, well, you know," but there's an hour wait for this restaurant. Yeah, okay, and two thirds of the seating is closed because they have no staff. Well, plus there's a lot I, of places. I've seen that too, where yeah, there's uh, places where you're waiting and you're like, wait a minute, half of the tables are roped off. <laughs> well, Maddie, what's right. the? Uh, I mean, the, uh, you know, I've I've seen that around here. We had, I had some friends that showed up. They wanted to go to this place. We, I, I said, well, you know, historically speaking, I mean, I don't know about this year, but historically speaking, this is you know, it's the middle of summer, right? I mean, if you actually want to get a get a table, you don't want to wait an hour. We probably ought to, you know, try to be there by about four thirty. So we do. And and they're like, well, you know, it was about a fifteen minute wait. Yeah, okay, fine. They go see us. They got half the seating roped up. He's got no staff. <laughs> well, Matt, what uh, the, the Chicago though, Chief is? I mean, if you're if you're high end in Chicago, you would never know COVID happened. Oh yeah. Every restaurant oh, yeah. is booked three months out. I mean, you have to make a reservation three months out to go to the high end restaurants. Hotels are seven hundred bucks a night on weekends. Weekdays, they're like two, three hundred a night. Well, the tourist industry, the tourism is back almost like it was before, yeah, right? Cubs, Wrigley, weekend Wrigley games are, are full. Uh, even Sox weekend games are full. It's, it, you wouldn't know, but it's, it's the little things that on the middle, mid, mid end or low end that you really notice it. Well, how do you, but just in terms of gathering up the numbers, uh, Maddie, which, by the way, I, I absolutely believe everything you say because your observations are pretty darn good. How do you, but how do you go to Ruth, uh, like uh, what's the place uh, Gibson's, and see you know Fanny's out the door. How do you how do you uh, account for the fact that Morton's and Ruth Chris's are closed? I mean, I, I mean, how many of those people would have been over there? I, I think that absolutely factors in. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the fact that the West Loop is booming. Yeah. And the Loop itself is dead. Right. Well, it's just. It's, but it, see, that's a shift. There's, there's. It, I see the same sort of thing here. Okay, you take, you know, you take Choice Hotels, which is the. I mean, they have everything from cheap trash, but probably no roaches, um, to fairly nice places, but you know, but not luxury hotels, right? Not luxury accommodations. Then you go one further step up, and you go into the Hilton chain, 
and and they both have apps, but you can do this very easily. And you take a look at the at the price differential. And what I have seen around here, and in a lot of other places, it, it holds as well, is that 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 mid tier and higher, you're not seeing demand destruction. It's just not there. Okay, if anything, the prices have gone up, and they're they're obviously managing to to fill the rooms. Otherwise, you know, or fill the seats. If you, if you can't get butts and seats, you're you know you're zero, right? So they're not ha- those guys are not having any kind of a problem at all. But the people that are down at the at the somewhat you know the, in the middle class regime, if you will, demand has collapsed. Well, if you were to just take the history of the last couple of years, I'm going to say, and I'll, I'll, we'll ask Manny. Well, well, he's we're all in the same boat. Carl's maybe a little bit a little bit bigger boat. Uh, I'm going to say the the three thousand dollars the government sent you last year or the last two years has been easily gobbled up by inflation by now. Oh yeah. I don't. I think you're you're, you're behind on the game, but then this forty percent of the money went someplace. Now clearly, the people where it landed, the the, the guy who who had the best year ever in a restaurant because other places closed and he was able to go out in the parking lot. And oh, by the way, he got all his money back for salaries on the whole year. I'm going to say that guy's retired and he's living next to you, Carl. I mean, but, but some oh, people yeah. did very and, and well at this. The thing is that I mean, it's it's very uneven. Yes. Okay, but but you know what, Chief? When has it ever not been? It's always been uneven, but now they're going. I'm going to I'm going to ask you this question because I these these bills that are, were passing. I mean, I, I read somewhere, and it's it's probably wrong. I mean, Matty, you you were here the days years and years ago. Somebody was on, and they said uh, was a guest, and said there hadn't been a bill since World War II. This has to be wrong. Where they where they absolutely named the the person that's going to you know build the stuff. You know, I mean, right. I'm sure World War II, you knew you were buying a B-17 from Boeing, you know, and whatever. But after that, is said you know all these bills now. I mean, we're we're naming these firms that are getting the money. And if you're not on that list, you're just out, I think. It's you know, and it, it, it's a very it, it's very complicated to try to say. Well, you know, if we did this, it would fix it, or it would at least help, right? It, it's not that simple because no. it has the, the the craziness has permeated everything. I think if you're not involved, would go would go. I, I got the biggest lesson in the last four months, Carl. I mean. You know, whatever. I have terrific guys on the show. I learn every day. I've learned from you today. I love doing this. And every once in a while, something comes up, and I look at it, and I go, how the bleep didn't I know that? The idea of the, the four infant formula companies and, and, a, and a law that says for every state that the, that the government buys for the company because they buy over 50% of all the infant formula, there can only be one supplier in the state, and they're all buying, buying back and forth. I'm like, who designed this? What manner of moron? I mean, yeah. how the hell can you be the fifth company? You can't be, right? I mean, I, it, it's well, yeah. And see, the thing is, that's so you you look at, for example, the you know the social media companies, right? There's there's two or three of them that actually mean anything. Yep. Right. When it, you look at the online online shopping, Amazon's what eighty percent of it. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know about so, that. I, I don't know about that. Well, maybe I, I, I'm not a. Well, I don't. I don't know that it's that high. But it. But, but the, the, the the general point stands that there's a very small concentration in all of these industries. 
And the problem with that is that the cor- that corrupting it, especially if the government decides to corrupt it, becomes extraordinarily easy when there's only two or three people you have to corrupt. Right. Well, that's exactly right. Well, I mean, how do- I mean, if I, you know, this, you look at this thing and you say, well, you know, gee, and then, and then you take a look at, at data that comes out like this, and is, is, is this even slightly believable? I mean, I, you know, I, I just went to the grocery store. Are you, are you kidding me? Look, my, my power cost, I live where power costs are very reasonable, okay? They're still at 20% from a, less than a year ago. Well, Carl, you know, you, know more, you know more about how this works than me. I wish I knew more. Brennan probably does too because he's been, actually Eric, because he worked in Washington forever, maybe does. But how is it, I have to believe, you know, when you look at the CTA, you get on the bus, there's some poor schlub, lady or man, doing a damn good job driving the bus, minding their own business, doing their job, dealing with all the losers, cutting in front of them and everything else, do the, do the job fine all day long. You look at the CTA and you go, what a mess. Yet 80% of the right. people are doing what they're supposed to do better than you and I could do it, right? I mean, so when you go to, the, say, the CPI, we'll pick on them, I don't even know who does this PCE, uh, I have no idea who does that. You can't, you can't find anything about those guys. But you go to the CPI, I'm going to say that the guy named Matty Weber who goes in there and his job is noodles, rice, and, and bread, does an, puts his nose to the grindstone and works all day long trying to find out what the price of rice literally and bread and brown rice and this kind of rice and this kind of bread and wheat, whole wheat. I'll bet that the guy puts, out, puts in a very accurate assessment every month of where these prices are going. And somehow or other, this gets compilated in the next desk, and the next desk, and the next desk. Until finally somebody says, wait a minute, <laughs> we can't put housing increases in here at 20%. We're going to make it 6 where, where does that happen? And it, can't, it can't come out of the Oval Office. Where, where in the chain does somebody stick their finger to the wind like the guy in Casablanca and say the winds are blowing from Vichy and change all these numbers or, or delay them or do something with them? I mean, how do you even do that? Or how do you do it? Well, I, I don't, I don't think that a lot of it is is you know as simple as you know Biden picks up the red phone and says to the the guy over at uh, the BLS, oh by the way, I want a four hundred thousand print you know tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't buy that. But there is but there's institutional bias everywhere. There's personal bias everywhere. It always exists. And the reason that you build statistically defensible processes is because everybody has bias. And you have to get them out of the data, otherwise the data is worthless. But, but somebody somewhere in Washington has to say, it's not just me, going, hey, you got Case Shore says prices are up 20% and the mortgage rates are up 30%. How the hell do you lob a piece of paper out there that says housing, the price of housing is up 6 I mean, somebody has to ask that question or are they too afraid to? Well, they're, they're not willing to go against it because it's, you, you look at those numbers and you say, well, it has to be this. And, and the next thing that happens is the, the Dow's off, you know, 1,500 points 15 minutes later. Well, it's, by the way, we're unchanged now, so we, we've made back well, everything. Yeah, I see that. We've got an unch on all of them. Yeah, we, we love these numbers. Carl, I'll talk at you next week. Let's, let's take up that other, other topic next week. Um, you bet. Maybe we'll email back and forth a bit about it. Uh, Manny, thank you. Uh, back on Monday, Stacks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. 
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.